Hello, welcome to the Studio Talks. My name's James Swift. I'm Josh Whitmark, and then our guest today is... I'm Mark Whitby. Hey, Mark, you okay? I'm fine, thank you. Doing well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. Uh, yeah. How are you doing in the lockdown? And do you have advice for people? Sounds a bit pompous, I suppose, giving <laughs> advice to people. I mean, my, I'm doing all right, to be honest with you. Mm. I mean, it's a bit odd for me because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm self-employed in, in my work, which means that, you know, I'm obviously losing an awful lot of income. So mm. I suppose one of the things you can do is just kind of sit around and think, oh, what was me? What am I going to do? I'm going to feed my family and all the rest of it. In a sense, though, there's nothing you can do about it. So you, you've really just got to sort of, I think, try and cope with the situation as best as you possibly can, which for me is doing something productive and trying to sort of keep as busy as I can on other things. And I suppose see the op- the opportunity in, in difficult times, really, of say, well, now I've got free time, which I don't normally have. So how can I make something of that and i've been listening to a tremendous amount of music um discovering as much new music as i possibly can been working on a on a third edition of my book which is something i've probably been meaning to do for some time but never quite had the time to do it so i think it's about doing that essentially you've just got to keep mm. yourself busy and, and if, there's, if there's nothing you can do about the other stuff then you know let's let's catch up with that later so i i think i'm in i'm in quite a good frame of mind actually with it Oh, good, excellent. That's great. I mean, one of the things I do anyway is is try and discover new music. So obviously, being able just to do that and spend time on that has been fantastic. And you know, I've discovered some tremendous new music recently. I was going to ask: um, Do you have any any uh, like suggestions of anything new you've heard? Well, I mean, my my taste can be a little bit off the wall for some people. Mm. But um, I mean, a band a band I've been listening to a lot recently are uh, a band called Mood Tag. That's Mood, as in M-O-O-D-T-A-E-G, kind of krautrocky, psychedelic type stuff, which I discovered lately. Um, the band called Kill the Giants, who were on a very small label called Nub Music, who put on a lot of sort of niche type stuff. Kill the Giants, I, th- I think their album's fantastic. Sort of I less... I've heard Kill the Giants before as well. So yeah, right. Good. right, good, good. Well, I'm pleased about that because I do that. I mean, I mean I, to be honest, like, when I when I get new stuff, I don't really pay any attention at all to whether they've have got any notoriety. So to me, it's all just new. And and sometimes mm. I'll I'll pick up on a new band and then find that actually they're fairly well established and that everybody else knows about them. It's just me that's late to the party. So it may well be the case with Kill the Giants actually, but I love their album anyway. Uh, oh, nice. And there's a band who I know are quite new um, called Digital Resistance um, from Cardiff, Cardiff-based band who. I don't even think they've got a website, although I could be corrected on that. But I know they're fairly new. The stuff they've put out recently has been phenomenal. And it's just literally early stuff, stuff that's appeared on compilations or just stuff that they've put out themselves without any kind of official release or anything. But, you know, just stuff like that. Just just a tip of the iceberg. What's your history with the studio and how did you get in the position of a director? Well, I suppose, I mean, it's... The simple answer is they asked me, really. They asked me to, to um, come along and be a director. I mean, I'm somebody who... I was involved in the music scene in, in Witness and Runcorn years ago, you know, going back to the 80s when I was... Uh, back to when I was a, an A-level student around here. Just, you know, me and 
there was quite a thriving scene in those days and you know bands kind of knew each other and you got to know them and that's but a lot of the people who were sort of running the studio now jackie and louise and people like that and greg were, were all kind of around that scene as well so it was really people who'd kind of set this up off their own backs and put and they put an enormous amount of work into it and i've sort of always admired from afar what they were doing with it i mean i think it's fantastic for the community what they've been doing with the studio and then one day I can't even remember how really. it was a phone call or an email or whatever it was. They just kind of said, we're, we're trying to get some directors involved. Would you be interested in being one of them? Uh, and I said, yeah, anything I can do really, because I'm always keen to support, you know, kind of local arts projects or something like that, or anything that kind of raises, you know, I always found it, I suppose going back to when I was young around here, there's, there's such a sort of mood around witness and run corner, around halting of, of almost like, oh, it's terrible around here and nothing ever goes, nothing ever happens and nothing. And, and my response to that was, well, make something happen. And I think the mm. studio is a good, a good example of that. The people who've made something happen, it's made a tremendous difference to people's lives. So they got in touch with me, uh, asked about becoming a director. I'd, I'd kind of, I was on the verge at that point of, of changing my sort of employment status from a sort of very demanding full-time job to, the self-employed states I've got now and I thought well yeah I'm going to have more flexible time this is something I'd really I'd like to be involved with so they asked me and a few other people and and I said yes and and it's been it's been very rewarding to be involved with them oh, nice. so on the back of that what what is your history with music well I mean I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I've kind of attempted time to be more directly involved in music I've had, I've had a couple of failed attempts at being in bands myself but they really were so bad that they were never going to go anywhere at all and I think mm. I just had to realize that you know over over a period of years really it sort of dawned on me that I was one of those people who was very much a consumer of music rather than someone who should really be be trying to waste his time actually doing something with it uh, mm. there, there are people who are far better suited to me with that so it got I mean from a very early age I, I had this um, uncle and I'm, li I'm literally going back to when I was about four or five now, mm. you know, very earliest memories almost, who was into sort of late 60s stuff like Captain Beefheart, but on the doors and, and love and, and Country Joe and the Fish and a lot of sort of innovative late 60s kind of psychedelic stuff that I... Mm. Uh, I, I'm not saying as a five-year-old I was I was running around singing like my father or anything like that because obviously I wasn't. But I think yeah. it had a, it, at an early stage in my life it implanted the idea that music could be something very innovative and liberating, and and you you should seek out the strangeness in things. And then when I was a teenager, that that was kind of just after punk had broken that I kind of and I literally remember with uh, a mate of mine who'd whose uncle had given him a, a tape of the Sex Pistols album, a cassette of it. And, and it was like, well, all we knew about the Sex Pistols then is they were incredibly notorious and there was something that, you know, the sort of older generation warned you from as if they were all yeah. devils in harness or something like that. So he's stunned. It was like this kind of mischievous thing, let's play that Sex Pistols tape. And, all. and then we found ourselves just absolutely thrilled by the thing. Mm. And that just set it off, really. I just started buying singles then and buying you know, sort of, well, as much as I could afford. I mean, obviously, when you're a teenager, you know, everything was in hard vinyl in those days. We're not on this downloading malarkey that you've got now. Mm. But, you know, you, so whatever you could afford, you both. And, and, and you listen, I listened to John Peel on the radio, got involved with that, and that kind of gave me that love of, again, re-engaging with that kind of, like, presenting you with things that you weren't, you weren't familiar with and, and almost challenging you, which, which mm. is what I loved. Because, I mean, I went to John Peel because somebody at school had said, oh, he plays loads of punks. I thought, well, I'll put it on. And, uh, 
and then, yeah, there was some punk on there, but there was also loads of stuff I hadn't heard, like like old blues, like Lightning Hopkins and things like that, or or reggae culture yeah. and Steel Pulse and things, and and it and it was an absolute musical education, you know, at the age of about thirteen, just mm. to have all this stuff coming at you, and and it just made music an enormous part of my life and later on as I, as I said earlier I became um, sort of involved in in putting bands on around here promoting bands and things and uh, and like I said there were some really good bands around in Witness and Runcorn in those days and, and and they supported each other and there was a really good scene around the place so it's always kind of throughout my life really just just whatever I could do to mm. become involved with music I did and and nowadays it's just it's obviously the radio show mm. um, that I do for Dandelion Radio now where you know that that's been magnificent. I've been doing that for thirteen years now, um, and, and just a lot. I mean, people say it must be taken an awful, awful amount of time listening to that much new music and everything. And my answer is, but I'd be doing that anyway. Mm. And, and the yeah. show just gives me an outlet for actually playing it to people and, and putting a selection together of your favourite stuff mm. uh, at the end of every month because it's only a monthly show. Um, and, and like I say, I'd just be listening to that anyway because I've never got tired of listening to new music and, you know, I'm in my 50s now and people say to me, oh, you know, all the old stuff from the past and everything and, it, and I literally say, well, I just think every year has got great music. I think there's always, I mean, I actually think it's not actually tremendously easy to find great music now. I think perhaps that's become more difficult in different mm. periods of the year. I think... You know, when I was growing up in the late 70s, I think it was relatively easy to stumble across really good music. Um, I think now it's much more difficult because I think, I think a lot of music is extremely commercialised and very much exactly, yeah. promoted and marketed and sanitised and all the, all the things that I hate about music. Um, but you can still find it. It's still out there. And the thrill is finding something, like I mentioned, Digital Resistance earlier, and putting that on and thinking, you know, where the hell did this come from? And, mm. and the, the biggest thrill just hearing, like, for people or whatever they are just getting in a room and they can't you know they're not they're not experts and they're not technically brilliant or anything but they make this sound that's just a, a, the sum of their own passions and it comes together and to me that's still the most thrilling thing in the world so that that's very much a sort of pocket history if you like of of music has soundtracked my life mm. i think is what i'd probably say about it I think that's what's important with a lot of people forget about music because you don't actually have to be doing music to be interested in music. Like there's there's a billion other things you'll be doing to make you part of yeah. the world of music other than actually physically well, well, your own. Yeah, and I mean, that was it for me really because I mean, it, you know, I, I kind of, I, I got a guitar when I was mm. um, about 16 and I thought, well, this is it now. Um, my life's going to change. I'm going to become incredibly famous, and uh, I'll earn loads of money, and, and I won't ever have to do a proper day's work in my life. Uh, yeah. Then after after um, a few months of thinking uh, of the the guitar kind of standing around, and me occasionally going to it and trying very tentatively to get some kind of noise out of it, I kind of realised actually it takes a bit more than that. <laughs> Just mm. actually buying a guitar is not enough, and um, and as I say, I've had a few goes since then, but eventually I just had to think, no, I can't, I really can't do this. And I know a lot of people who are in bands and, and, I, and, and you know, what people have said to me is, well, it doesn't take an awful lot to learn three chords and play a guitar, which again was mm. the ethos of punk and all the rest of it, which is brilliant. And that's true, but you, you do have to do something interesting with it and you don't have to be incredibly technically proficient. I honestly look at 
you know, music, and I love, I love absorbing what other people do. Fascination of mine. I, I, what I've realised is I don't have the first idea how to actually make an interesting noise myself. And mm. therefore, I've gradually over the years just thought, that's something I'd better leave to other people. I'll just enjoy what they do. Mm. That probably sounds, sounds like I've, I've almost capitulated in some ways, but I think you do. I just think you have to, you yeah. have to find out what you're good at in life and just do that. I, I, I can write, for instance. I know I can write, and I get a lot of pressure from writing. I, I can't play the guitar, and I can't sing. Mm. And that's just something I've had to live with. In that little bit you were talking about, you did mention gig promotion. How did you get involved in doing that? Uh, yeah, gig promotion. It was almost by accident, really. Uh, we had a couple of venues in those days. In, in, in well, we had three really. I mean, we used to in, back in the eighties. You, you had you had the old Derby Arms, which is it's still there, although in a very different form from what it was now. Uh, and you had um, a place called Players, which I think has gone years ago now. The old railway couldn't turn into Players for a bit, and and you had the, the the cherry tree in, in Runcorn. Um, and there was very much a scene around those three places where, you know, the Derby, Derby Arms used to have stuff on on a Wednesday, players on a Monday, cherry tree on a Friday. So so it was great because you, you could meet with like-minded people there. And to be honest, whether there was a band on that you liked or not, you'd still go along anyway for the social thing. So it, so it meant that if, if you kind of saw a band, um, you... You, you know, you'd go along there, and even if you liked them or not, you'd, there'd be about 50 people in there and and you could have a you could have a good time. Um, at some point, the the guy who promoted um, music at the Derby Arms, a guy called um, Baz Yarwood, who, who's still around these days, lives just around the corner from me actually, uh, just said, I, "I I'm not really didn't really want to do it anymore." There was a change of management well with the old manager. He said, I don't really want to do the same story. It would be nice if the story were more interesting than that. Well, a bit of a tussle then because another guy wanted to do it. who kind of came from outside the scene, and I was very much not that I particularly wanted to to have any sort of prestige because there wasn't any prestige to be honest with you. Doing it, you just pick the bands to put on. Uh, but this other guy, I think, wanted to turn it into something entirely different, and I thought, no, this has to be resisted. We, it was very very important to a lot of us then what we had then. And we really had to try and keep things the way they were. And um, I used to try and alternate it really then with sort of local bands and bands from slightly outside the area where, you know, their thoughts sounded quite interesting. And th- there weren't any even many restrictions really on what we'd put on. I mean, you know, I put stuff on that I didn't really like myself just because I thought someone might like it. And just to try and bury it as much as possible rather than having the same three or four bands on every week but um again the beauty of it was you had you had bands then like great and lady soul greg oldfield's band and halfway to eddie's baz's band and, and my sister linda was in it as well and the snake skins and and there were, there were kind of like about and the nice party there were kind of about eight or nine different bands in Runcorn and witness then who, who would support each other's stuff so it meant that if if you took those bands and even if not all members of those bands turned up you'd probably have about 20 or 30 people just from the bands themselves and you'd have their friends coming along and, and it, it developed a great music scene. So really all I had to do was at the Derby every Wednesday night was um, was just kind of pick bands and, and put them on and, and the rest of it just played itself out. Uh, sadly, the, the Derby Arms and Greenalls decided to close it and turn it into an entirely different pub and they weren't interested in it. And, and that, that particular scene, I think, began to fragment then. But I think we'd started something. And, and the culmination of that, I think, is the studio now. I think we started something in those days between us, group of people in these, in, in, in the towns of Witness and Runcorn, that, that 
there's still a legacy for it, which is great. Jackie, who's involved in the studio, wrote a book about those days as well. It's really worth looking at that because they really were interesting times. For, for small towns like these, we, we really had something going that was that, that was quite incredible when I look back, really. Definitely, definitely. So what advice would you give to younger people who also want to do event promotion? Don't do it. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, more, although in those days, because I'd picked up on something that was already running and there was a scene already established, it was relatively easy. Later on, when I started going back to it a little bit, I, mean, I, I was kind of in between jobs for a few years ago and I thought, I know, I'll try and do some of this again. I found it was much harder. Um, people mm. aren't going to pubs as much. Young people aren't going to pubs. I, I mean, frankly, in those days, you'd have the two colleges, the, the Sixth Form and, and Halton College on Kingsway, mm. and, and they would be supplying you a steady stream of 16 to 17-year-old going into those places. And no one was checking their ID or anything in those days. So, you know, you, you could do that kind of thing and, and you got a scene on the back of it. I don't think they actually drank very much. I think they mainly went for the socialising and the music, to be honest. But I think it's much more difficult now. I don't think young people gravitate to the pub as much. Pubs can't, won't pay bands like they used to. I mean, in mm. those days, every band got paid a certain amount of money. And, you know, that, that kept the scene going as well. It kept, you know, it meant that, you know, they'd get enough people in through the door. The band would get something out of it and... and everyone was happy nowadays i think it's much more difficult and there isn't a ready-made scene there i think if you're gonna do it you've got to you've got to be a very good negotiator with venues you've got to put a lot of time into that you've got to do a lot of promotional work probably more than we had to we we used to just go and i had a mate who was quite into visual design and everything we just plaster a big poster in the front of the derby saying who was on every week and we'd put some posters around the two college buildings as well and and that was that was it really. But I think nowadays you've got to have an, an awful lot of promotion behind you, and Definitely. you've got. I think you've got to look more at the sort of legal side of it as well now, mm. because we didn't really think about it a lot in those days, and no one really mentioned it. But I think nowadays you've got to think about you know are you or the venue if you're promoting bands at a venue has the venue got all the right licenses? Have they got the right insurance cover or should you be doing that and there are things like that to check out so i don't want to put people off doing it because in a sense it's something that's really really needed we really do need people doing that kind of thing nowadays but it is an awful lot of work before mm. you get started and you know you can't just say i'll put this band on here and put them on and then you get there and no one's turned up and that's because no one's done any work before and you've got to have a plan and you've got to spend a lot of time on the plan, I think, before it even happens. So uh, I don't want to sound negative about it, but I think there's an awful lot that you've got to, to do. Is but again, you've, yeah. you've, got a, you've got a place like the studio. It'd be really good to see that kind of involvement growing around mm. that. Because you have got a bit, a bit more of a base there. You've got a ready-made venue, and it's a really good venue. Uh, and you know, you've got, got the right support around you and everything. Uh, and it would be nice to see people sort of experimenting with that a bit more and using it for, for what it's designed for. I think, I think if anything's going to happen in this town again, it will be around the studio. Definitely so. It is, it's known for that type of stuff where if you have an yeah. idea, we'll, we'll try and facilitate it. Exactly, yeah. And, and the very much the other directors and, and, and Jackie and Louise and everyone really behind that kind of ethos, which is fantastic. And, and I, you know, I said, I expressed myself badly then. I said, if anything's going to happen again. I mean, I think things are happening. 
yeah, it's just definitely. getting it built up to that stage where you can you can really try and you know because we're not Liverpool or Manchester, we haven't got that kind of infrastructure to be no. venues and and a large population to come and see. We've got to do things differently, and, and, and to me, the studio is the best we've got. And we need to make use of that. Definitely, definitely, so. definitely. Yeah, it is a good venue. It is a good venue. It's a good place where you can just like just the amount the variety of stuff that gets put on there is just excellent yeah. as well. Like well, it's comedy. incredible because I mean, I, yeah. I've just popped in every now and again sometimes just to see or something. I'm always amazed that something different's going on every time I call in there. You know, Definitely it's fantastic. So. And and you know, I would not underestimate the amount of work that that uh, Louise, Jackie, and some of the others put in there. It's phenomenal. It's what you guys do as well. But over the years, I've seen it and the amount of work. It, and it, it's you know, it's it's the work of it's a labour of love. It's got to be. But, Definitely uh, so. I mean, Jack has done a fantastic job, particularly in chasing up a lot of the funding that allows it to run as well. It's really, really good. What interested you working as a DJ and how did you get involved working on the radio? Well, I started with um, Holton, Holton FM's own community radio years ago. And we were just having fixed term contracts back in the 90s. And, and in those days, I, I was a vinyl only DJ, just kind of spinning discs and everything and playing and stuff that I liked and, and it was great and then I kind of fell away from that when you know I, I you know I, I sort of went into full-time work had a family all the rest of it and everything Dandelion Radio started up after John Peel had, had um, died and I wasn't involved with it at the first stage but one of the Dandelion DJs I, I had a chance meeting with him I was already listening to it because I thought they were great they were trying to extend what Peel had done and play like new and different stuff and guy called Mark Rosney, who's now sadly passed away a couple of years ago, he used to come and do talks at um, Witness and Runcorn Libraries. And uh, just a chance meeting with him there, and he said, why don't you join us? And I, I didn't know I'd be welcome to, to be honest. He said, yeah, put a demo together, we'll see if we like it. I put the demo out, they liked the demo, and that was it. And that was in 2007. So, you know, since then, it's just been, it's just been a great outlet. It's a very different thing from you know sort of the, the live DJing of years ago it's a recorded show put it out there you can record it so in a sense if you mess anything up you can just go back over it and re-record it and, and but I try not to do that as as, as often as I can really because it, spontaneity is important I think if you DJ and and you know so so often I'll, unless there's anything absolutely catastrophic I'll I'll leave I'll leave it in as it is and, you know ever since that that chance meeting with Mark Rosney and like I said before, it's great because I can listen to, I've been listening to the music anyway. Here's a chance at the end of every month to say, here's three hours of the kind of stuff I've been enjoying listening to. Mix it up with some old stuff as well, though not much. The emphasis is mainly on new stuff. And that's it, really. Uh, where can people listen to Dandelion Radio and find your book? Right, well, Dandelion, yeah, because I don't think I mentioned, have I mentioned the book yet? You mentioned it briefly. You said that you wanted to do your third. Ah, yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I was wondering where where that came from. Yeah, (laughs) okay, yeah. So www.dandelionradio.com. The shows are on a loop for a month. We do a monthly news show that obviously streams from the first of the month. And then there's a a schedule that varies the times throughout the day so that it can go around the world. And I know we have listeners from all over the planet because um, mm. they get in touch sometimes it's just wonderful you know you get you get sort of a response I mean uh, from places like Malaysia or, or oh, Hong Kong or whatever anyway, and, and just suddenly I've been listening to your show and, and and they put you on from music from their part of the world so it's just a fantastic thing really um, mm. and, and so you can listen 
various times. If you look at Mark W in the schedule, that's me. Mm. And that's where you'll hear my stuff. But I should say, I think the other DJs are worth checking out as well. We're all trying to do the same thing, do stuff that's a bit innovative, but very much from our own sort of, you know, pursuing our own tastes, so to yeah. speak. Um, and, and about the book, I mean, I mean, the book, you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, I think that's probably the easiest way. It's called The Festive 50, and it's quite, quite simply... Um, um, John Peel did a chart called The Festive 50, as you may know, for years. And, and I, mm. I wrote this book on it. Um, and I actually, it was actually published not long after John Peel's death, which was kind of awkward about really, because there were a lot of stuff published around that time about Peel. And, and I was worried, is it going to look like a bit of a cash in this? I'd, I'd mm. actually sent him a copy of the book just before he died, saying, um, you know, I, I want to put this out there. Have I got your blessing? And obviously, he didn't get back to me because sadly he passed away in the meantime. But so I left it several months then before putting it out. But then I put it out, and it was actually that that the, the guys from Dandelion Radio started to contact me and say, "We want a copy of your book and all the rest mm. of it." So, so it came out then. Dandelion Radio then took over the Festive Fifty. They've been doing it ever since, which is just an end of year chart of listeners' votes of their favourite fifty tracks of the year. Uh, and I've updated it since to include the first few years of Dandelion as well. So and obviously I'm working on a third edition now that will hopefully take it a bit further than that. So it's very much a, a bit of a sort of almost train spottery, really sort of obsessive kind of work of somebody who's who sort of listened to it over the years and thought, yeah, actually I'll put something down that sort of documents all the stats and says a little bit about some of the well-known bands or some of the more obscure bands that have appeared in it over the years. Um, That's really interesting. It's, really it's been. I think anything you do has got to be a labour of love for me. I don't, mm. I don't. I've never done anything that was just kind of pursued money. I've only ever done something no. that was. I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it, uh, and it, and in my sense, that's worked for me. You know, if, if you follow your passions and you put the time into your passions, in my view, you'll normally find like-minded people, and you'll normally find some kind of outlet for it. Uh, and that, and that's just the way I've always done things, I suppose. Oh, excellent. That's, that's brilliant. Thank you for, for joining us today. That's been absolutely great. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fantastic. And I hope you guys are all right during and this you, uh, and you. extended lockdown we're having. Yeah, as <laughs> soon as it's over, the better, really. Yeah, yeah I mean, it'd, it'd be it's nice just... to go to the pub again, I must admit. But oh. uh, like I say, I, I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm just keeping things now. I'm making the best of, of the time that we've got yeah. now and using it as productively as I can. And, and that's the way I... I would encourage everyone to see things going back to what you asked me first, but you're doing great work anyway, guys, with the studio. So these podcasts, it's been great. The online activity, it's been going on. Definitely so, yeah. yeah. It's been fantastic. So. I mean, keeping an eye on it and thinking that is so good for people because mm. inevitably people will be will be suffering during this and will be isolated. There'll be all sorts of mental health difficulties going on. So it's fantastic we've got guys like you doing what you're doing and. Um, and, and keeping us going during this period. So thanks very much for everything you're doing. That's great. Thank you. Okay, um, thank you. I'll see you soon. Yeah, I hope yeah see you soon, soon guys. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.